0: Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Welcome to the all-new True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Join us every week this season as we dive into the life and crimes of serial killers. From the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, to the golden State killer, Joseph D'Angelo. Hello and welcome to another episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast, a show that dives into the dark world of true crime. I'm your host, Larry Leese, and today we're going to be talking about the I-70 killer. We'll discuss the ins and outs of how he did all these homicides and what the police say about it. We all fear death, and if it comes in a horrible way, the fear is doubled. Today we'll be speaking about the I-70 killer. Yes, it has been 28 years, and still the fear is not out. Even today, the memories of that death remain, and yet the killer has not been brought to justice. Today, we will be talking about the all-time feared I-70 killer. Yes, you heard me right. We will go through all his details, and all his homicides, and manslaughters. With that said, let's move towards the big story. For those of you who don't know who the I-70 killer is... And of course, I know you're all aware of this guy, but still. The I-70 killer is an unidentified American serial killer who is known to have killed six store clerks in the Midwest in the spring of 92. His nickname derives from the fact that several of the stores in which his victims worked were located a few miles off of Interstate 70. His victims were usually young, petite, brunette women. One of the victims was a man, but it is believed that he was mistaken for a woman. By the killer as the often wore a ponytail. All the stores attacked were specialty stores and were usually only robbed of a few hundred dollars. So here's the story. In April of 92, a string of murders started occurring in various locations on Interstate 70, ranging from Indiana, Indianapolis, Wichita, Kansas, and Missouri. These horrible murders lasted until May, and it stopped as quickly as it began. However, Police believe that this unidentified killer has ties to nine altogether, three of which in 93 to 94. Although connected to nine murders, only six are confirmed, five women and a male, which was mistaken on the killer's part. Unsure of, the, of his motive, the investigators believe he did all these for the thrill of killings. He would drive and stop at various strip malls. Then he'd walk into various stores such as Payless Shoe Source, a bridal shop, a Western boot store, and killed a woman working at the time with a 22-caliber pistol. At this particular time, his body count was up to five. His next kill happened in Terre Haute, Indiana. This time, the victim was male, but it's assumed that it was a mishap. When he walked into the store, the employee had their back to the assailant. The male had long hair, which was in a ponytail, and was mistaken for a woman. Other attempted murders proceeded to follow, yet thankfully two people survived the attack, one of which was due to the 22 caliber pistol jamming. The survivors were able to provide details on identifying the man, and a composite sketch was made. The reports gave information of the killer being in his mid-20s to early 30s, well-dressed and clean-cut with good hygiene, a slender body frame, and a height of roughly 5'8". With a composite sketch, the police were able to follow leads that led to Herb Baumeister from Westfield, Indiana, a businessman who traveled quite frequently. What happened next created a shockwave of terror that was entirely unexpected. As the police began searching his property, they uncovered a vast amount of skeletal remains that totaled 11 people. However, they were all male, believed to be homosexual. Out of the eleven, eight of them were reported missing. Shortly after... Herb committed suicide. It was also learned that he had throat cancer, but was currently in remission at the time. He also owned a 22 semi semi-automatic, which helped further the belief of him being the I-70 killer. Unfortunately, although suspected as the I-70 killer, there weren't any female remains on his property. With this suicide, it is unknown whether or not his alleged involvement of the women who were murdered had anything to do with him. Nevertheless the police were able to solve a lot of cases after finding their male remains so it wasn't a completely total loss now let's have a look at what the police need to say so the case file says a story now you all are pretty much interested to hear it out so come on let's start 26 year old Robin Fuller of Indianapolis, Indiana wanted more than anything to marry and start a family but that would never happen on April 8, 1992, Robin was found shot to death at the store where she worked. 23 year old Patricia Smith and 32 year old Patricia Majors worked side by side at a bridal shop in Wichita, Kansas. Just three days after Robin Fulder was murdered, both women were shot to death in the back storeroom. Three weeks later, 24 year old Nancy Kitzmiller. Of St. Charles, Missouri, was shot to death in the boot store where she worked as a manager. Four murders in three different states, separated by more than 1,200 miles. At first, they seemed to be random killings, yet each took place at a shopping mall just off of Interstate 70. The Woodson Village Shopping Center in Raytown, Missouri is near an access road to Interstate 70. On May 7, 1992, 37-year-old Sarah Blessing was working alone in a gift shop at the mall. At 6.30 p.m., a local auctioneer noticed a stranger walking near his auction house. He looked around briefly, then he walked out again. Tim Hickman, who owned a video store, watched the man cross the parking lot and pass by his store. Minutes later, Tim heard a gunshot. He reached his front door just as the man was disappearing around the corner. Grocery clerks saw the stranger as he climbed the embankment in an Interstate 70 Access Road and vanished Meanwhile, Hickman Went next door to the gift shop Sarah Blessing lay lifeless in a pool Of blood. Police believe The Raytown murder was connected to the earlier Shop mall killings A multi-state task force was set up Lab tests confirmed That all five women had been killed by the same gun Most likely a semi-automatic 22 caliber pistol That gun was also linked to the murder of 40-year-old Michael McCown of Terre Haute, Indiana. He had been killed in a shopping mall ceramic store near I-70 on April 27, 1992. There were now six victims. The most promising lead came from the murders of Patricia Smith and Patricia Magers at the bridal shop in Wichita. Police got one good description of the killer. It was from a customer who walked in just minutes after the two women had been murdered using the customer's description and other eyewitness accounts, a police artist created age comp- composite of what he may look like today. There were 3 additional murders in Texas in 93 and 94 that police believe were the work of the same killer, bringing the number of victims to 9. Now let's see how it all started. The three-state 29-day killing streak started in Indiana on April 8, 1992. Robin Folder was shot to death inside a Payless shoe store in Indianapolis. Three days later, on April 11, 1992, two women were found shot to death inside a bridal store in Wichita, Kansas. Victims Patricia Smith and Patricia Majors stayed late to wait for a customer needing a cumberbund. Neither made it home. Detective Tim Morrell for the Wichita Police Department worked the case 28 years ago, and it's there where authorities caught a break. An eyewitness account. Ralph said the customer and the woman were waiting late before arrived at the store and saw the man. But investigators believe the key to solving the case lies with the suspected murder weapon. The police believe the killer used an Irma Work model ET twenty two pistol, a distinct gun with a nearly long foot barrel. It's actually a historical remake of an old German Navy pistol, said Ralph. The barrel is long enough where the gun has wooden forearm. Just two weeks after the double murder in Wachita, the killer struck again. On April 27th at Sylvia Ceramics in Terre Haute, Indiana, the killer claimed his only male victim. Four days after that, on May 7th, 1992, Sarah Blessing was shot to death inside a small store in Raytown, just outside Kansas City. What happened next? As the 90s faded into the new century, the story fell out of the headlines. The family is impacted, it will never be forgotten. Nancy Kitzmiller's parents have done interviews over the years, hoping to keep the case in the public eye. In 2016, Carol Kitzmiller told News 4, quote, every single day you think about her. Her husband Don hopes continuing coverage of the story will lead to someone coming forward with a clue. Quote, there's no reason not to say anything. It benefits society, and it benefits us. And despite Decades of frustration, Step has not given up hope. We're not going to give up on this case. We have individuals working on this case in several states and cities. We believe this case is solvable. The FBI has examined the evidence, and their profilers believe, given the geography and the timing, they know where the killer lived in 92. This case has been looked at two separate times by FBI profilers. Both times, they believe the killer is from the Indianapolis area. There's nothing out there saying he's not alive. I believe he's still alive and out there. He is known as the man with the gun. Weird name, right? With that, we are coming to the end of today's episode. I strongly believe you got a serious awareness on this killer. Be careful, guys. He might be out there and catch you up in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Send us a tweet at True Crime NS or like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Or you can send us a voice message and be featured on an upcoming episode by calling 682-305-0483. That number again is 682-305-0483. Thank you and have a great day. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter. At True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Tune in next week for an all new episode.